Well, good morning, everybody. Are you glad to be at church today? We're glad that you're hanging out with us this morning and wherever you are and whether you're in the room or you're joining us online, we're glad that you are here. It is Christmas season and we have been in a series entitled The Invitation. And before I get moving, I wanna let you know that this coming weekend, this coming Saturday and also Sunday are our Christmas services. We want you to bring friends and family just to join us to celebrate the birth of Jesus. So we have been filling out light bulbs and putting names on light bulbs of people we've been praying for and every day this week and since we've started, I've been praying for every name uh, and just praying over those light bulbs and believing that God is gonna do something supernatural and people are gonna be saved and healed and delivered this Christmas. Come on, you can clap a little better than that. Someone's gonna get saved for Christmas this year. And, uh, and so we've been expecting some good things. And so if you are one of the people that you uh, would like to write your name on a light bulb or some people, this is what we're doing as a church. If you're not familiar with it, we've been asking people to write the names of individuals that they would like to invite or people we're just praying for that needs to be saved and needs to know Christ and people need healing, hope, whatever it is, writing their name on the light bulb and also putting it, uh, and our team makes sure it gets on the board out there and we've been praying over it. And if you're watching online, maybe uh, message the church, let us know some names that you want us uh, to put on the bulb for you. We could help you out and we would love to do that. I recently heard a story of a husband that was wandering off as they were standing in line Christmas shopping uh, with his wife and he told her he'd be back in a bit. And after getting through the line, the husband wasn't back yet. And since they uh, still had more shopping to do, the wife called him and said, where are you? Where are you? Where are you? He said, you remember the jewelers uh, we went to about 10 years ago and you fell in love with that diamond necklace and I couldn't afford it at the time and I said that one day I'll get it for you. She, with tears flowing down her face, she says, yes, I remember. He goes, I'm in the bar right next to that. <laughs> Merry, <laughs> Merry Christmas, everybody. <laughs> I like that joke. Everybody say the invitation. The last few weeks we have covered how God has sent us invitations. And it's not always the same invitation for everybody. Some people it's the invitation of salvation. That if you don't know Jesus today, our heart, our prayer is that you would give your life to God. Maybe it's the invitation to forgive somebody, to love somebody, to serve, to, to forgive, to leave the past behind. I think everybody in this room, if we were honest, right now have received or is receiving promptings from the Holy Spirit, an invitation from God for the next step in your faith, in your life. And so I want to continue. We've been talking through the Christmas story through different characters, and I want to continue today on that idea. Author William Powers, tells the story of a woman named Maria from a non-English speaking background who had migrated to the United States. And whenever she was asked how she was, she would inevitably say, busy, busy. Powers thought it strange, particularly given that Maria would seem so upbeat and positive and she would always give the same answer. The truth was, Maria was unaware of her answer's meaning and was simply copying what she heard other Americans saying. Maria thought 
that it was the way you replied to somebody when they were to ask you, how are you doing? Busy, busy. Everybody say busy, busy. Tied up, cluttered, crowded, congested. If I were to go around in the lobby today, which I normally do after service, and say, how are you doing? Many times we will say, I, I am slammed, Pastor Ethan. I am just keeping busy. I, I have a lot on my plate. I'm burning the candle on both ends. I am swamped. Anybody relate to what I'm saying? You got a lot of irons in the fire. Or as my family would say in West Virginia, you got a lot of irons in the fire. <laughs> You got kids and sports and holidays and travel and work and business. Busy, busy. Across ethnicity, gender, stages of life, even class, college students are busy, busy. CEOs are busy, busy. Young parents are busy, busy. Old parents are busy, busy. Empty nesters are busy, busy. Baristas are busy, busy. Part-time nannies are busy, busy. Americans are busy. Canadians are busy. Alabamians are busy. <laughs> I recently read Corey Ten Boom who said, if the devil can't make you sin, he'll make you busy. I recently read in a book that talked about the progression of technology and how they predicted the, how it would adjust our time and how we would handle time with more technology. So, you know, decades and decades and decades ago, they brought a car. And so we don't have to ride horses anymore. We don't have to walk like we used to. We can drive in a car saving us the time of transportation. Not only did we do that, we got stoves in the house. And so we don't have to go out, chop wood, make a fireplace, put it in the wood-burning stove. We have a stove in the house, and then we have microwaves, we have modern-day heating and cooling, washer and dryers. And it was thought that these technological advances were to save us time, were to save us time. In fact, this is documented. In the 1960s, futurists all over the world, people were great thinkers, from, the, from sci-fi writers to political theorists, thought that by now we'd all be working way fewer hours. <laughs> One famous Senate subcommittee in the 1960s was told that by the year 1985, the average American would work only 22 hours a week for 27 weeks a year. <laughs> the thinkers of the time thought the main problem in the future would not be that we would be busy, busy, but that we would have too much leisure. How incorrect they were. The average American today works nearly four more hours a week than we did in 1979. 
New York Post, and you could read these articles online. Americans spend 19 full working days in traffic in their commute a year. In your commute to work, in traffic, on Highway 45 in Columbus, Mississippi. <laughs> Can we talk to somebody? That's the first thing I noticed when I came here. Does everybody live on this road? Until the 60s, even until the 90s, there was a thing, the blue, uh, blue laws forced businesses to close on the Sabbath. A government mandated, supposedly maybe a speed limit on the pace of American life. Busy, busy. I remember my grandma telling me, she's since passed, she was born in 1929, she told me stories of when she first saw a store open on a Sunday. And she thought we was going straight to hell. <laughs> busy, busy. One writer that I studied through, this, um, through researching for today said that in the year 1440, that's when the Gutenberg printing press was, was created and giving the world print. And in the years ahead, it has forever been marked in our history books, the Gutenberg Printing Press. And they said not only will that be in the history books for a monumental year in the history of the world, but they said in the year 2007 will be like what we like that. The reason being it was the year that, that Steve Jobs presented the very first iPhone. They believed that that changed the world forever. On average, we spend five to six hours a day on our phones. Netflix, 3.2 hours a day. Facebook, 58 minutes a day. Snapchat, 53 minutes a day. Uh, Instagram, 50 minutes a day. TikTok, I don't know, Pastor Ron, TikTok, not TikTok. It's, it's an app young kids use. You've seen it? <laughs> Gen Z, Gen Z is on average in front of a screen nine hours a day. Recent studies show that the average iPhone user touches their phone 3,000 times a day. Busy, busy. We're not the first to deal with busy busy, though it'd be relative to culture. Allow me to take you back in time to the birth of our Lord Jesus in Luke chapter two, verse one. It says this, in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. There was a census. It was in regards to taxes and, and, and army uh, counting. Verse three, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. Verse six, and while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And verse seven, she gave birth to her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, laid him in a manger because there was no place for him in 
the end. Now let me give you some context for a second. The Roman Empire is giving, is having a, a registration for the census and for taxes, and everyone was asked to go to their ancestral origin city. So everyone goes back. That would be like me going back to Ohio, Pastor Ron going back to Brooklyn. Uh, that would be like my wife going back to Alabama. We would all be going to where we come from. And Joseph and Mary lived in Nazareth and made the trip back to Bethlehem because of the lineage of their family. Now they had to travel 90 miles. It was technically uphill. The Bible says she was gray and pregnant. Thousands of people are moving around. Thousands and thousands of people are in travel and are in transit, and they go back to their home area of Bethlehem. It was considered, and even to this day, a very grueling trip. It wasn't an easy trip. And so they make this trip. Joseph with his wife, they would, she's believed to be a teenager, and she's great and pregnant. Thousands of people are, in, are, are traveling for this occasion. People are packing up the kids. They're, char they're charging up their iPads. Come on, anybody ready for some travel there in the vacation? You know exactly what I'm talking about. The dad's got some sound-canceling headphones on the front of the camel. <laughs> they're tra everybody's moving, and the Bible says they arrive at the inn, and they made no reservations. There was no vacancy. No room was available. No space, no place, no time, no room, no availability. Busy, busy. The king, the creator of all things, the maker of life, has come to the universe, has planted himself on the planet Earth, and there was no room for him. Busy, busy. John chapter one, verse 10 through 11 says this, that he, speaking of Jesus, was born in the world. And though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. And he came to that which was his own, to his own people, to his own place but his own did not receive him. They could not receive him because they could not recognize him. Let me just pause here and say that they were not expecting the king of the universe to be born in a barn. They were expecting the king, the Messiah, to come with a throne and a crown and, 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 and power and glory, but, but our king came in a much different way. He didn't come like the way we would expect the king to come. Jesus came and was born in a manger, in a place, in the lowliest of conditions that God himself, if we could wrap our head around the idea that God himself came to earth and was born in a feeding trough, the concept, he didn't have to do that. This baby Jesus born with a teenage girl in a barn, in a manger, no throne, no crown. Little did they know that our king was not like the kings of this earth. Our king did not come to be served, but our king came to serve. Our king came to heal. Our king came to deliver. Our king came to set free. Is there anybody thankful for our king today? Busy, busy. 
My question for you today is, what have we allowed to preoccupy us? Busy, busy, preoccupied. That means the, that someone has something on mind so strong that causes other things to be forgotten. Work and family and worries and fears and schedule. Busy, busy. I read this quote this week that says, for many of us, the great danger is not that we will renounce our faith. It is that we will become so distracted and rushed and preoccupied that we will settle for a mediocre version of it. Busy, busy. What is taking the place or who is taking the place in your inn? Psalms 10.4 says, in his pride, the wicked man does not seek him in all his thoughts, in all his thoughts. There is no room for God. The king has come to earth and there are more important things to tend to. Can you imagine being the innkeeper? Can you imagine being those that were asleep in the rooms that night? Can you imagine being the individuals who were preoccupied that with just feet away, 10, 15, 20 yards, the creator of all things, while we sleep and Netflix and travel and Facebook and move around, busy, busy. I wonder how many of us are living a mediocre level of faith because we're busy, busy. You go to church, you show up, you do your thing, you drink the coffee, you spank your kids. I love always saying that on Sunday. It's okay, I'm just saying, I don't. <laughs> you, you come to church, you love God, you love people, but you are experiencing a level in your faith that is mediocre because you're just busy, busy. I remember reading the Christmas, or we've heard the Christmas song, Joy to the World, right? Joy to the World, the, script, the line is, let earth receive her king, let every heart, every heart prepare him room. We often hear that song and just associate it with the, the season that we're in, the Christmas time, but if you really stop and think about that lyric, let every heart prepare room for the king. It's amazing that the king can come. But if we don't prepare room, it's almost like he's powerless. It's almost like he's limited. I remember uh, one of my favorite passages in the Bible is when Jesus is older and he's doing traveling ministry and he's in certain towns and he's raising the dead and he's opening blind eyes and, and he's doing supernatural works. But when he goes to his hometown in Nazareth where he was raised and people know him and everybody just knows Jesus from CJ's Pizza, the Bible says that Jesus could do no mighty works in his hometown. Isn't that amazing? that he could go in all the neighboring cities and do supernatural work. But when he would come to his hometown, he couldn't do anything supernatural. The Bible says, but lay hands on a few sick folk. Isn't that sad to realize they had God in their presence and God was limited to their perception of him. 
Isn't it amazing that they didn't make room in their heart? They recognized him not, so they couldn't receive him. I sometimes wonder in my own life, where have I gotten so casual with God that I'm not perceiving him properly and I'm now causing him to be limited in my own life? Am I helping anybody? I would hate to pastor people and only, and only give you a superficial level of God where you'll only experience a superficial level of his power and his presence in your life. No room. A young preacher called a seminary giant and asked, uh, what do I need to do to be the me I want to be? He was frustrated with his ministry, frustrated with himself, and he calls this giant of the faith. He says, what do I need to do to be who I need to be? And there was a long silence on the other end of the phone, and the minister, a giant, said, you must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. The young preacher scribbles down on a piece of paper, and he says, okay, now what else? And the man with a long silence says, there is nothing else. Hurry is the great enemy of the spiritual life in our day, and you must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. Busy, busy. Occupied, travel, Christmas gifts, gotta go do this, gotta say that, gotta buy this, gotta go here, and we can get so busy, busy that we can relive Luke chapter two and make no room for the king make no room for him in our lives, thus limiting the power what he can do in our lives. Are you still with me? The city is humming. The merchants are unaware that God had come to the planet. The innkeeper would never believe that he had just sent God out into the cold. The locals would have laughed at anyone who would have told them that the Messiah lay in the arms of a teenage girl in the village somewhere. They were all just busy, busy. Those who missed the arrival of God on earth missed it not because, hear this, because of evil acts. They didn't miss the arrival of God because of their sin. They missed the arrival of God because of their preoccupation. It wasn't because of their failures and their insecurities and their sinfulness that they missed the arrival of God. It was simply the idea that they were just busy Busy, preoccupied with their own self-interest, preoccupied with their own life. Jesus said, if any man seeks to save his life, he'll lose it. If anybody seeks to lose their life, they'll save it. Meaning, if anybody comes after me, he must deny himself. It's not about preserving your time and preserving your life. It's about giving up your life because Jesus gave up his life. When was the last time you allowed God to inconvenience you? This one's hard, because I love my bed. It's warm. To me, it can't get any colder than this room right now. I'm trying not to, my finger's about to fall off, okay? I see people covering themselves up. I don't know who needs to fix it, but please fix it for second service. I and you're fan, I see several people fanning themselves. Girl, why are you fanning yourself? I'm freezing. <laughs> Lord, help her in Jesus' name. I'm cold. Anybody cold? Just say yes. All right, somebody fix it. All right, so just do that. What was I saying? 
When was the, I love my cozy bed, right? I love my warm, cozy bed. I love uh, sleeping. I just love to not be disturbed. Anybody with me on that? You're just like, just let me sleep. And, and I promise you, and I'm not being funny, I promise you so many times in the middle of the night is that it's when I feel God speaks to me. I know that sounds silly and it could be like he can talk at any time. Yeah, I try to tell him that. But there are times in the middle of the night, I don't know if it's just because the house is quiet. I don't know if it's because my soul is quiet, the world is quiet, you're not busy, busy. But it just, in the middle of the night, many, many times, in fact, many, I'm, just, I'm not telling you this to be spiritual, I don't even want it. But you could ask my wife, almost every night, 2.30 in the morning, almost every night, it would be majority of the week, that I wake up at 2.30 in the morning, and I get up, I grab my iPad, I start reading or something, because it's just, it's like a time for my body just wakes up, and so many times God has spoke to me at that hour of the night. Trust me, I don't want it, I'm not asking him to do it. And, I, and there's many times I stay in my bed and I'm like, please God, can you leave a message? I'll talk to you soon, okay? <laughs> but when was the last time we allowed God to inconvenience us? When was the last time we got up 15 minutes earlier and, and tried to silence the busyness of the day just to hear what he has to say? Before the kids get up, before the car gets started, before work gets moving, before you check your email, have you looked at your devotion on your phone? Have you just taken 15 minutes with a cup of coffee and talked to God? Or, or, or is God literally in the background of your life like, hello, I could speak to you and help you with this business deal. Hey, hello, I, I could help you with your teenager. I, I could encourage you right now. I could strengthen you. I could speak to you. But we're like, no, 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 I'm, I'm pretty busy, God. I'm busy, busy. Don't you understand? I got kids to raise and a business to run and life to, life to have and people to connect with. And I'm busy, busy. So, so get me when you can get me or you can talk to my assistant. We'll get back to you. I want to encourage you today, develop the appetite to be interrupted by God. Allow God to inconvenience, allow God to help, put your phone down. There's been so many times I've heard God, just felt impressed, put your phone down. You put it down for like six seconds, you're like, okay, God, I'm here. <laughs> Anybody know what I'm talking about? I know I'm a pastor, I gotta act like I read the Bible for 15 hours a day, but you know, if we have our phones, it's just so easy to be distracted, preoccupied. Some of the saddest words on earth are we don't have room for you. Jesus knew the sounds of those words. He was still in Mary's womb when the innkeeper said, we don't have room for you. When he hung on the cross, wasn't that a message of utter rejection. Jesus, we don't have room for you. Today, Jesus is given the same treatment. He goes from heart to heart, seeing whose heart he can enter and who would welcome him and who would give him room. And Jesus gives this promise to them that open the door and let them in. He says, in my Father's house, there are many rooms. And when we make room in our hearts, and Jesus, we must understand, makes room in his house. 
Here's my final point for you today. If you can make room for him, he'll make a difference in you. If you can really make the space and the time and the place for the working of God in your life, can you imagine what God can do through you and in you? This last week, I was with a, I was at a particular place, and with discretion, I'll tell you this story. But I was in a particular location, and there were a couple there, and they began to discuss their life situation. I don't know this couple. I don't think they knew me. I didn't look over there much. But when they were talking and discussing, it was very clear they were in deep trouble as a couple. A lot of problems. It got very ugly. We're in a public place. And the words they said, and they were very loud and they are very upset. And, you know, first, I'm like, <clears throat> It's like anybody else, right? You're like, hey, it's somebody else fighting. That's great. <laughs> but honestly, the more I watch the tears flow and the heart hurt, and it was clear by the way they discussed that God was not in the picture, that all I could think, and I, I told my wife later, you know, it's, it was some things they said could almost have been laughable. It's the thing, it, it started getting, it started Light, it started getting very heavy, started bringing up the past in a public place. And all I could think was sitting at that table, oh, you guys gotta let him in. You guys gotta get Jesus in your heart and in your life. You gotta get God in your life. You, you gotta get God in the center so he's the gravitational pull that you work around. You, you gotta get God. You will never be perfect. You'll never be perfect. But you gotta get his values in you and his system in you and his thoughts in you and his word in you because you're just gonna keep running into this. You can switch men and have the same problem. You can move to new cities and have the same problem. You could go into a new job and have the same problem because the problem is much deeper. It's because you need to make space. They were business owners. Busy, busy. And I remember her saying, you were always too busy. And he said, you were always too busy. They both used the word, accusing each other of being too busy. And I thought to myself, what would happen if that couple asked God, have we been too busy for you? If you'll make room for him, he'll make a difference in you. You can't keep asking God to make a difference in you when you've never made room for him. This is so simple today. Being in ministry, there's so many times you meet with people and they're like, I've prayed and I've asked God and I've this and I, but it ain't working and I'm not, and it's just, and I'm not, huh? And it's almost like they treat God like the slot machine. Come on, three sevens or whatever, I don't know. What is it, Pastor Ron, you gamble? No, okay. Is that right? Said it right? Okay. <laughs> Come on, snake eyes. Is that right? Oh, I'm good, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like we treat God so superficial and then get irritated when there's no deep change. Am I helping anybody? 
And I wonder today, the invitation that maybe God is sending to you is maybe God is asking you to move past a superficial level. Some of you are only saved to the level of your Instagram bio, where you put a scripture in there. God is looking for somebody somewhere that will push past the superficial level and will allow God to inconvenience their arrogance and their pride and their sin and their secrets and their hurt. I'll tell you this story and I'll close. There was a minister. This is a true story. There was a minister in another part of the world who had a powerful ministry. God used this man to see people healed and save, see thousands of people give their life to Jesus. Really powerful ministry. And he was asked by Americans to please come to America. And so he comes to America by boat. Takes a long time for him to get here. And when he arrives at the bay in New York City, he comes out of the harbor, walks around the city for 30 minutes. 30 minutes. The story goes that this minister, powerful man of God, got back on the boat and said, we're leaving. And they said, why, why? He goes, these people are much too busy to see a miracle and working of God in their country. That was in the year 1915. Busy, busy. Can you imagine what he would say today? With us hustling and bustling and moving and scrolling and talking and busy and Netflix and binging and watching and just busy, busy. And the king, the king has come. The very power and presence of the almighty God, creator of the universe, who leveled the valley, who raised the mountains, who flung the stars and named every one of them. The Bible says he holds the universe between his fingers, has in his hand the profile of every individual who ever lived. Did you know that he is knocking at the door and wants to know, do you accept the invitation? Can I go a little further? Can I go a little deeper? Maybe you have a superficial understanding of who God is, and you understand the crucifixion, and you understand, and you go to church, and you get the, the premise, but you're living a life that feels unchanged. I want to challenge you today. The Bible says he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. As you diligently, truly begin to posture your life in seeking him, he's going to reward that, and he's going to change that. And as you keep following Christ, he'll begin to make adjustments in you. You'll never be perfect, like I said. But if you can ever posture yourself in a way that I'm no longer going to live a superficial level of faith, I don't want to be busy, busy. You have every right to get into my schedule, to get into my time, to get into my world. You have every right. And I say this 
Hopefully he doesn't. But you can wake me up, God. You can wake me up. I don't like it. It's inconveniencing sometimes. You got to work in the next day. You got meetings. You got plans. You got to go. But maybe God's like, Busy, busy. Everything could change. Everything could change if we let him in. Because if we let him in our lives, he'll make a difference in our lives. You believe that today? Will you stand with us all over the room? Thank you, Jesus. This feels good today, doesn't it? That's a good, that's a good, dense, challenging word. <clears throat> For us to make space in our lives, to allow God in our day-to-day operations to kind of, you can disrupt me. You can disrupt me. I'm sorry for being so arrogant and not letting the king of the universe into the end. Can I pray with you today with eyes closed all over the room? If you're in the room today and you're, you say, God, I want to make room in my heart, you could be saved for this first prayer. But you're in the room today and you say, listen, I need to make space. I need to allow you to inconvenience me. I've been so busy, busy, and I'm seeing a superficial level of faith. I want to see change in my heart. I want to experience the fullness of God. If that's you today, raise your hand. All over the room, I just want to pray with you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. My hand's up on this one today. I don't want to be too busy for God. Thank you for those hands. Thank you. Father, I pray over every individual that raised their hand just now. I pray over Vibrant Church. I pray that we will be a church that will be inconvenienced by you, that we'll let you disrupt our story. We'll let you come into our lives. We'll let you wake us up in the middle of the night. We'll let you interrupt a service. If you want to do something, God, we're going to let you do it. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus for every person in this room in the hearing of my voice today that you'll strengthen them, every person online. You're going to speak to them uniquely. I pray in the name of Jesus. We're going to not be so busy, busy. We're going to let you have space and place in our hearts and in our minds and in our work and in our family. And we could truly say, ask for me in my house. We're going to serve God. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Come on, if you believe it today. <clears throat> oh, come on, Vibrant Church. Do you believe it today? Before we close, eyes closed one last time. If you're in this room and you've never given your life to Jesus, if you're in this room and you've never said yes to the King, this is a great moment. We've been waiting for you. (laughs) We've been praying for you. We're glad you're here. You're in the right place at the right time.
and there's a room full of people that have made space in their heart for the king to come in and they don't regret. I've never met a person that's regretted getting saved. You know that? I've never met one person that said, man, I wish I didn't do that. Never have I ever. I've met with people on deathbeds. I've met with people in hospital beds. I've met with people in, in rooms and in churches and travel. Not one person has ever said. It's like the old song, I don't regret a mile that I've traveled for the Lord. I don't know your story today, but God says I can interrupt your story today and make your story new and wipe your past away and clean you up and make you new in me. Old things can pass away in all things. I feel like preaching today. All things can be made new. So if you're in the room today and you want to know Jesus, I want you to just raise your hand. Maybe, you want, maybe you've gotten away from God. Maybe you need to recommit your life. Maybe you just need to say yes to him one more time. Maybe you have never known him. Maybe you have just gotten away from him. If you need a fresh start, I'm just going to wait. I'll wait. Thank you for those hands. Thank you. Several hands, several hands, several hands up at the top. Come on, church. Several hands today. Come on. I would do it if it was just for one hand. I'm so proud of you three right there. Man, heaven rejoicing right now. That's what it's all about right there. Well, everybody pray this prayer for me and those of you that raised your hand. Come find me after service. I can't see you, but I see three hands up there. Come find me after service, okay? All right, <laughs> there we go. Let's pray. Repeat after me. Father, thank you for this day. Today, I decide to make room in my heart for you. Forgive me of my sin. Forgive me of my trespasses. Forgive me of my failures. Make me new today. I believe in you. I believe that you died. I believe that you rose again. In Jesus' name. Come on, church, if you believe it. Somebody got saved today. Lives are being changed today.